Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back to The Sell Better Daily Sales Show. We're so glad that you're here. If it's your first time, welcome in. If you're a regular, welcome in. Just welcome to everyone. I will say, change your chat settings. If you go to your chat, there's a little blue bubble at the bottom um, and switch it from hosts and panelists to say everyone. That way everyone can see your messages. It's magic like that. Today, we're here to talk about follow-up messaging that's going to actually get you some replies with the one and only Tom Slocum and Sydney Senior. A little whoop whoop. It's just me. Whoop whoop. <laughs> oh, listen, this is like Simon says, it's great. If you want to check out, oh, Ben, whoop, whooping it in the chat. Uh, thanks for not leaving me hanging. If you guys want to check out the rest of the agenda coming up this week and beyond, you can scan the QR code on your screen or head to sellbetter.xyz. Before we jump in, I want to give a huge shout out to our partner, Aligned. Uh, they are a digital sales room. I use it for everything. There's a link in the chat. If you want to check it out, it will set you up with a free uh, set up there, but I use it from pre-sale to implementation and CS. So no matter what role you're in, uh, you should check it out and see if it's something that would help you. I am also going to check and see who's in the room whenever. Here we go. There we go, you guys. Listen, I can use a computer. Um, but today's agenda, uh, I want to cover a few things with both of you and hear your thoughts on how to be persistent without being really pushy or like over the top, quote unquote, salesy. Um, I want to go through kind of your top list of what should be included in your follow up and so that you can see if there's like anywhere that there's a gap. And then I feel like even though you have really great follow-up, there's always going to be those people who just got to ghost you. So I'd love to hear both of your takes, your strategy on that, and we can kind of dive in from there. Sound good? Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, Ready? sounds good. I'm excited. Okay, let's see who's in the room really quick before we before we jump in. Oh, wow. Great mix today. Love us. Let us know in the chat um, if you were part of the other crew. Awesome, but really good mix. We're going to dive right in. So I want to start with the persistent, not pushy piece. And have you, uh, like, what's that feeling, right? Like that, where do you like find that edge of something that's like, it's my job to continue to follow up versus I like you feel icky. Have you ever gotten to that point where you're like, I don't want to send one more email? Just me? Definitely not just you. <laughs> we all do it. Like, I can't do one more. Um, so I know like we had talked through some strategies. Sydney, can you kick us off on like what's something that you do that's like it helps you get away from that ick feeling? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, there's so many levels to this, but Something I try to do when planning out my follow-up emails, unless it's like a really small transactional deal that I think will be like, you know, just one email follow-up and we're good to go. I try to keep a little extra piece of information that I can send as a follow-up. So let's say I have a discovery call and I send over a follow-up email with whatever relevant information there is, but maybe it won't include like all of the resources. Maybe there's one extra thing that 
isn't something they needed right then, but I think could still be useful for them. And I keep that as like the, we have here the, oh, by the way. And so it's like, I can send that over as I've already sent my first email. Now I'm sending a follow-up email. It's not just saying, hey, like, can you respond? Like, what's going on? It's like, hey, also I had this, like for my situation, it'd be like a global hiring report, for example, or the salary insights tool that I could send your way that I thought might be useful. So just trying to keep something back instead of giving all your best material on that first email helps you send intentional follow-up emails that are not just like asking for something. So is it something that you mention like on your discovery call and you just keep it out of your first follow-up email? Is that is that what that is or is it it could be anything? It could be anything. I try to send like if there's something they specifically ask for in that first call or if I think it's really relevant to them, um, I won't withhold information just for the sake of it. Um, but if there's something extra that I think like could also be useful based on their situation, then I'll save that and send it. So we'll get like, you know, if we've talked about pricing and they've asked for that, I'm not going to withhold it for another email. But if it's just like a little extra thing that's like based on your situation, I think this could be useful. I might keep that aside and send that as a follow-up. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tom, you had talked about like the storytelling. First off, I think it's one of your superpowers, but it's something that you've done where you're like using a, a story from a previous client. Is that on the call or is it in your follow-up? It's both. So obviously in the call, you know, you get taught kind of the herd theory in your early days of sale, right? Where people, especially people, like if you're a new product, if you're a new, you know, tool to the space, it's very hard for people to want to work with you because they don't know you, right? Like JB sales or something else, like people know it's trusted, it's good. But when you look at, you know, SD lab, it's like, I don't know who that is or what's going on. So when you can get storytelling and kind of walk them through others that you've discovered during the call and they're like, look, I'm just very concerned about this. Like this isn't, you know, what we were thinking or whatnot. You can kind of ease them in with another story. Like Leslie, I hear, like, I get it. Right. Like, but here, let me talk about why, you know, Sydney switched from this company to ours and kind of what that process was like. Cause you're hundred percent right. She, you know, Sydney was skeptical too. It probably took us about four weeks to go through the deal cycle. We did have to bring in their CEO. So if you want to bring yours in too, absolutely let's do that. But here's what they were able to do and what kind of moved the needle for them. Um, and then here's what the outcomes look like after they did get through that initial concern and what we were able to solve for them. And so I'll either do that on the call and then I'll do that in like a follow-up um, or I'll add more and be like, hey, Leslie, you know, I know you're still mulling over the deal. Um, and we had talked about, you know, how I helped Sydney um, on our call, but I got another one for you. John and I just actually did the exact same thing this week. Um, and here's what they're looking at already within the first few weeks of working with us. Um, don't don't hesitate to ask any questions or any concerns. And if you'd like, I can actually send you the full case study if you need that. Because I don't just drop those on people either. A lot of reps will just drop case studies and it's kind of ingenuous. And it's like, I didn't even ask for that nor do it like, and I'm not going to look at a PDF. So I'm very permission-based opener in my closes of emails, not on a cold call, but in an email. And I'll say, hey, Leslie, here's some highlights would you mind if I send this over to you? Or do you think you would you want to see the full case study? That way I get my replies up because they have to reply to get it. And then two, I know that they'll actually look at it. And then I follow up and say, cool, here's that study. I think page two would be relevant to you looking at what we talked about on our call. That way they know where to look 
versus like just setting a PDF over that's giant. And they're like, I'm not going to sit and read it, but direct them. Hey, Leslie, look at page two. You'll see that study and some of those things I mentioned. Um, and so when you do that, you're not just following up to follow up. You're kind of addressing those concerns that you discovered and just letting them know if somebody else walk that path first. Um, that'll make them feel just a little bit better. Yeah, they don't feel they don't feel like they're alone in their challenges. And I think it's more of that like preemptive strike kind of consultative approach where you're saying like, yeah, you're you're not alone in this. It feels like sometimes you are like for your buyers, they don't buy software, they don't buy services all the time. It's not like their day to day walk. So if you can show up and and show that other people are going through those same decisions as them, it's helpful. And I really like the like extra story to bring it along. It doesn't feel like, hey, you never responded to my email. It's like, oh, here's an additional, like Sydney's point, the oh, by the way, here's an additional piece of context for you to make a decision based off of. Beautiful. Or I was thinking of you, you know, yeah. hey, Les, yeah. for a few days, I know you're still going through that buying process, uh, but I was thinking about you and our situation. By the way, I found this cool, you know, a, a salary calculator. I know you were kind of mentioned on the call that you were looking at how to price out your AV salary. Thought this would be of interest for you. I know we're going to talk soon. If any questions come up, let me know. Now yeah. I've added more into it. Again, we're progressing. Every touch point has to move the needle. Otherwise, you're just following up to follow up. So your first goal is to understand why are you following up? When you can get that mindset first of before you even write the email of, what do I want to gain from this? What am I trying to do? And not like what I'm gaining from this, but what are they to gain from opening this email? Can it get me a question from them or can it have them address a concern with me that they were afraid to so I can open that up? And you made a great point. We're in their world every day. We're talking to 10 to 25 VPs of marketing on a weekly basis when they're in their own little bubble as a VP of marketer in their internal company. They're not maybe networking. They're not having all of that. So they feel alone where you can bring in those stories and kind of get ahead of objections and follow up. Could you like, hey, it's been a few days, Leslie. Typically when this happens, I know that most CEOs are probably coming in and stepping in and looking this over. Is that the case? Should we get a call? And then that's your email. Now they're like, nope, I don't need a call. We're good. Uh, everything's great. Or, oh, actually, you're right. Our CEO is involved. Do you think we can grab some time? You're already getting ahead because you do the deal cycles. You talk to right. people. You know where they're at. Yeah. I want to go back and highlight, you said something that like, I mean, I feel like we need a, a little moment for it where it's like going back to think about before you send the email, what's the purpose? What's in it for them? And if all you can answer is like, you, you're you trying to see where <laughs> where the deal is, it's like, what else can we find that's that matters for them? I really liked that. Um, I want to share like at least one more here. Sydney, you had mentioned something about um like mentioning that you have something coming up like a touch point with leadership or you have a a meeting coming up how do you kind of approach that whenever you're messaging or reaching out to to an open deal yeah absolutely and i mean i, I think this goes a tiny bit counter to what we were just talking about this is probably like when you're maybe a little bit later on maybe you haven't heard from them for a while so the active discussion may have died down Something I found to be useful is like a touch point to kind of revive the conversation um, when, you know, the goal is definitely to get um, an idea of if they're still looking to proceed, what their timeline's looking like, but just asking that bluntly in an email might not go over so well. So something I've tried and had a good amount of success with 
is reaching out to these accounts, you know, that I've built maybe a good relationship with that I haven't heard from for a while, um, you know, okay, um, meeting with leadership later to discuss my projections and plannings for the next quarter. Just wanted to see if this was still top of mind for you Q1 or if it looks like it might be pushed to the future. No worries either way, just hoping to get a pulse check. And I've had a lot of people respond and be like, oh, actually, yeah, sorry, we have pushed it. Or maybe um, they actually want to chat again. And it's just kind of helped revive the conversation. And I think from the recipient's perspective, it's, I mean, they obviously still know that I'm trying to get, you know, some sort of an answer about where they're at in their timeline. But now it's not so much ask of, hey, like, why aren't you responding to me? Like, do you want to sign up right now? Just curious to get a pulse on where you're at with this project and not putting the pressure on. Like if it's been pushed, that's a hundred percent okay. It would be super helpful for me if I knew approximately when. And so I've I've had some good success with that. Yeah, the no pressure though. It's okay. It's okay if it's in a different place. Just please respond. (laughs) (laughs) Just please respond to me right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm curious how everyone in the room feels just about like your own personal follow-up game, your follow-up approach, your strategy. Um, I'm going to ask like Sydney and Tom, if you guys could both walk through kind of your follow-up email tips, if you will, here in a minute. But I just want to see like, it's anonymous where you, where you are, how you feel about your follow-up. Um, I think this is something that like took me a while to get right. And I'm still, you know, always, I mean, aren't we all always like making adjustments and finessing things? Um, But just curious, I want to share, I'll pull up the screen, Sydney, I'll have you go first, kind of walk us through each of these items whenever you're writing a follow-up email and kind of how you use them. Yeah, absolutely. So I know everyone on this call is probably dealing with a different type of buyer, a different product, a different sales cycle. So there's not a lot of like, here's exactly what you should write step by step that I think would be helpful to share. But there's a few things that I really like to keep in mind whenever I'm writing a new follow-up email or maybe I'm tweaking a template that I have. And kind of the way I see this list, and I'll walk through them in just a moment, um, is I think if you have the majority of these, and hopefully all of them, that you can check off when you look at your follow-up email, there's probably a pretty good chance that it's a decent email and you're going to get a response. Um, At least that's been my experience as I've been experimenting and tweaking with my follow-up. So the first one I want to talk about is making them visually compelling. Um, I think we forget sometimes that our prospects and the people we're selling to are just like us. They can get easily overwhelmed. They have a billion things on their plate. Just imagine if you had a call for something you were curious about buying and they sent you a follow-up email that was just like paragraphs of texts. And it's just like, you probably look at that and like, nope, I'm going to put that off till later. Like you want to make it as easy as possible for them to want to see it and take action on it quickly. So that kind of takes me to the second point of making it easy to present to their team. So dividing the information up in a way where you're not assuming um, that they know all the things you talked about on the call, where you're covering your bases in terms of um, all the different components of the problem that they brought to the table, the things that you've mentioned, all of that. Because what happens a lot of times after you have a discovery call or a demo call, the person you talk to is going to go to their team and say, you know, or not. Like you want to make them want to go to the team. They're going to go to the team and say, hey, just had this conversation with Sydney kind of here's what they're talking about. And you don't want them to have to take the information from your follow-up email and then go make their own presentation or like put it in a different format that they think might work internally. 
So you can sometimes ask on the call kind of how they generally present that to their team. Um, you can try and get an idea for the information that's most important to them. But kind of keeping that top of mind, I think is super important. Um, another one is using their words. So if you have a call recorder, that makes it super easy. But when you're kind of recapping the problems that they have and what they thought of the platform and or whatever you talked about in your first call, use their words um, because it will resonate more with them. They'll feel listened to like it just has a much bigger impact than putting it back into like whatever your marketing team says, right? Like you want them to understand it and feel that emotional connection when they read it. Yes. Um, and then some sort of social proof is great. Like it might be a case study. I think to Tom's point, they probably don't want to read like a full on PDF, but there's like a little snippet of like, oh yeah, you know, Tom is in a similar situation. Here's like this quick little paragraph about how we help. And I think you can save social proof for future emails too, but just having a little bit of something there can be helpful. And then some sort of mutual action plan. And this doesn't have to be like taking us from now to closing the deal, but maybe there's one or two steps or actions that you agreed upon on the call that they're willing to do, that you're willing to do. You kind of want to test how button they are. You want to make sure that they feel engaged in the process. So these could be little things, but if you can highlight a few things that kind of each person in this arrangement committed to doing and kind of keep track of their progress there, I think that's a helpful way for them to be able to walk away from the call and understand exactly what they're supposed to do next um, and the same for you. So I try and think about all these different things and when I'm crafting the email, um, really include these components to make it as easy as possible for them to walk away from the call, know what they're supposed to be doing, want to present it to the team and not feel overwhelmed by the information you sent their way. Yeah, definitely. All great points. Like really love how it encapsulates it. And I think like it's kind of like you can kind of use it as a checklist, right? Like going through and and seeing how you stack up um, the mutual action plan too. That's I run that through Aligned too. I know we dropped the the link earlier, but it's like a way I can have everything in that visually compelling way and like kind of have them just go through the checklist. Tom, you have a lot of similar things, but talk me through kind of how you approach like a few extra different pieces that you bring in. Yeah. So all to, you know, her points here, Sydney nailed a lot of them, right? If you go through this checklist, you're solid. The other things that I would add and look at is number one, in your follow-up, it goes from being just a check-in or a selfish thing to now being on the prospect and what they're really generally focused on by recapping the pain points, right? The battle is one in follow-up and most reps can't do strong follow-up because then their demo discovery or in their initial call, they're not really digging into the pain points, the goals, or the challenges. They're just trying to get a meeting. Person says enough to say, yeah, I'm interested. Then they have nothing to push and, and kind of light a fire in them to progress. And so in your recap and your follow-up, try to recap those pain points, uncover those and say, hey, you know, again, to Sydney's point, by the way, you had mentioned that one of the pains outside of kind of what we're discussing was pickup rates for your reps, getting them to connect with people. Here's something I have for you on top of this recap. And so you kind of throw that in as a, oh, by the way, but you're you're in your follow-up, you're kind of poking the bear, right? You're poking the wound a little bit um, because that's going to get people to move, right? People won't go buy a new TV if their TVs in their house are working just fine, but that TV breaks, you're going that day you found the money somewhere, it's all worked out and you're swiping the card and you're getting a new TV because the pain of not having your TV is worse than just the comfort of, you know, you have them and you just want one. So uncover the pain points. Number two, 
in that follow-up, show them how you can help them. Again, going back to storytelling or giving them gives, right, of some ways that whether they work with you or not, how can you give them something that doesn't break the bank, but builds trust and credibility with them and will help them regardless? Hey, I know we're evaluating this deal right now, Sydney. In the meantime, whether you work with us or not, here's something that other VPs of marketing are doing right now that is moving the needle because I know budgets are tight. Maybe you can't really progress this at the moment. Try this and let me know if this does anything for you. And if they go and enact that and put that into place, they build trust and credibility with you now. They're like, yo, Sydney dropped this thing on here and it really helped us. I didn't even notice on my website that my image was not set right. Um, and now that I did, my load speeds are better, right? And now like we're getting more inbound, whatever it may be, making it up, but show them how you will help them. And then also show them how you will help them with your software and solution, right? And hey, this is what we're going to do for you. Like Number three, mm -hmm. I call them Gibbs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I call it the Alfred, the Batman, right? Batman was a superhero, but Batman couldn't do anything without Alfred. He was the real MVP. <laughs> um, he always helped Batman battle and kind of slay the dragons. And so how can we be the Alfred to our Batman, right? How can we help them in everything we do? Because that's trust and credibility and it doesn't look like you're just selling to kind of sell. Yeah. Um, and so then you get into next steps and why, right? And again, this goes back to you actually know a little bit more than them. Um, because you are talking with so many within their space, you're learning stuff. Like Sydney knows a ton of tips and tricks. And if you're doing your job right, when you are you know, talking to people and you are having those phone conversations, you're trying to learn stuff. Hey, you know, Leslie, tell me how you're doing this right now. I'm talking to some other marketers. I was just curious, what, what do you do when you run into this problem? When you get that stuff, you can put that in there. Um, and so you want to do next steps and why, right? Just kind of like, hey, this is based on typical situations. I spent a few days since we haven't heard from you. Here's what typical next steps look like. And this is a great way to create urgency. Look, Leslie, you told me in our call by, you know, Feb 1st, she wanted to get this going. We're kind of past that timeline now and we might have to adjust it. Do you think you can get this in today or do we need to go ahead and re-update our mutual action plan and push that date out? Mm. Tom, we can get it in today. You're right. I needed this up. And you kind of just tell them like, you dragging your feet is going to hurt this. It's not going to be on me. It's not going to be on us. You know, this is our process and next steps. And here's why it's important we move this needle. Is that something you're going to be able to do today or should we realign and remap that out? Easy way, right? They're going to get back to you and say, oh, shoot kind of the Sydney's point of like the leadership conversation. Hey, we're kind of coming close up on this deadline and I don't think we're going to make it. I don't think we're going to get there. What do, you, what do you think we should do? Should we update or do you think you could pull this off by today, right? Um, and then I can create an urgency on the back end with my team to make sure we can still hit that date for you. And then my favorite is a video. Like Sydney said, if your follow-up email gets really lengthy and, and you just, and it breaks the rules, in a demo discovery follow-up email, it doesn't go through the traditional like graders or process because you are writing out a pretty good follow-up. If you want to be different, shoot it in a video. And then in that video and in that email, just do bullet points. So if they don't have time to watch the video or it's going to take a minute, they at least get the bullet. And they're like, you know, hey, Leslie, how great talking to you today. I recorded a quick video for you to kind of go over that proposal, address the things that we discussed, put that mutual plan together. Because you're just sending something, people drag their feet. They don't know what to do. You need to lead them to water. You need to lead them. That's the whole point is 
they they don't know your deal cycle. They don't know the process. They just know they need this tool. You need to guide them. So in a video, you can kind of not have them get on another call and you can cover those things that you know typically in a proposal might get lost. Hey, real quick video for you. I sent this proposal over, but I wanted to cover three things with you. Number one, look at page two. This is a disclaimer we have. I need you to look at and just acknowledge if we need to redline anything, cool. Number two, here's that pricing breakdown. I told you you'd get the free credits here. I told you we'd include this. This is what that final total is going to look like. And that's the number you want to worry about and see if we can get across the finish line. And number three, the next steps portion. This is what I need from you. Let me know if you have any questions. And then if we need to get on a more formal call, we could do so. Now they can watch that video and then you could just put those as bullets underneath the video and say talk soon. Now they can watch that, revisit it, maybe send it over to the decision maker if you can't get a hold of them. They don't have to waste time getting on a call. You just shoot the video, you know, they can forward that on and say, hey, check out Tom's video. He'll cover the proposal with us. And it's like showing it, you get your inflection and your tone and you get a little bit of extra, you know, a little bit of extra with that. Can I add one? that just like really changed the game and follow up for me. I tell them on the end of the discovery call what's coming. I think like yeah. 90% of our job managing expectations. But I always say like, hey, I'm about to send you a recap by the end of the day today. Could you do me a favor and just respond? Yes, everything looks good or no, or like any edits that you have to add. And then I like restate that in the email that I want them to respond up at the top. Um, because if I don't tell them that I want them to respond, they won't. <laughs> but if I say it out loud, my response rates went up insane. And then I feel like it's a little bit more of like this back and forth. It's not just my pushy one side. I felt better about that. Like now we're having a conversation. Yes. You get respect from that because at the same time, you know, we're always begging. We're so desperate. We're always acting like we're a problem. The right. top one percenters act like a boss, right? They do this every day. They are busy. These are conversations. They don't let it be seen like that. And so when you say, hey, I'm going to send you that recap, you just do me a real quick favor because lately my emails have been kind of going to spam, whatever. Can you just shoot me a response and let me know everything looks good? Easy peasy. And then we can go from there. Um, then when you send that, right, you tell them the subject line, it'll say Leslie with sell better. Just check that out. Now you're going to get that reply, which helps your deliverability just in the long run. And now you have that respect of like, oh yeah, I won't leave you hanging, Tom. I'll make sure I get back to you. Definitely. I really love that tip. Yeah. I I also feel like that's like step one of like, that's like its own little like mutual action plan. Like you tell them you're going to send the email. They tell you they're going to respond. Like you start that process of them getting used to actually doing that back and forth. Um, another thing I wanted to note with your video point, Tom, I, I think that's that's a really great idea in terms of standing out. Do you ever ask people kind of what their preference is in terms of like receiving information? Because I know sometimes, like I know myself, I get like overwhelmed by my inbox very easily. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are better like visual or some people just want to read it and not have to watch a video. Some people just want to listen. So I wonder about adding that component too of like, hey, I usually um, send over you know, a recap of our call in either like video or text format, do you have a preference or like, is one better for you? I think that could be interesting too, because you're showing that you care about how they feel, but you're also probably increasing your chance of getting a response because you're picking a format that you know works for them. 100% done that. And uh, I've moved to LinkedIn many, many times because of that. Um, Some of them have been like, don't send it to me via email, Tom. 
just getting your first emails through the sales process was a problem already. <laughs> Shoot it to me on my LinkedIn. And I'm like, cool, I'll have it over to you by, you know, end of day, keep on the lookout and I'll shoot that right over there instead. Or I do ask them, hey, I've been really digging video. Would a walkthrough help you? Or do you just want me to write it out in a kind of a wall of text? And then they'll be like, just send it in a text. It's fine, dude. I'll get the email. I'll look through it. You're good. Or some will be like, yeah, shoot it in video. That'd be great. Cause then I could send it over to Leslie and she can look at it too and kind of get to know you. And I'm like, cool, I'll have that all over to you. So great tip is yes. Meet your prospects where they are. Meet your buyers where they are. Understand. Some have moved to text because of that. You hear about it on LinkedIn all the time. Yes. A lot of ADs are like, yo, can I text you later? I'll just shoot everything over in text. That way we don't have to deal with all this te text stuff. And they're like, yeah, please. And now you get that text kind of relationship and you're like, I mean, yes. Um, so yeah, asking that at the end, hey, again, here's next step. How would you like to receive it? Is a really good uh, respect piece there. Beautiful. Um, okay, I have to throw in one more thing that helped me on the video. I put at the beginning of a video, if I'm going to send a video, I'll be like, oh my gosh, Sydney, Tom has been such a great uh, you know, ambassador for your company. Working with him has been amazing. So like, I'm sending Tom the email, but I'm saying all these nice things You're about him on the front end and he's going to forward it to Sydney. You know, it's like, then you know they're going to forward it up the channel if you need it. They're like, yeah, 100%. I'm fantastic. <laughs> I am awesome. John, look at your video. I just did it. Right? Well, that is absolutely okay. a good tip. I, you know, like it gets people to forward it because they, they want to look good to their boss too. Randolph asks, do you guys have a way that you find balance between your email not looking too much like an email marketing message, more personalized, but not like super boring and flat? Is there like a... The four, like Sydney, you had talked about like visually appealing. Is there something that either of you do that's like, this makes my email a little more visually appealing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I just had like two quick points. One, I think a, a really key point is using their words if you can. Like, if this is a follow up email, maybe like an initial cold outreach before you talk to them, that's going to be harder. Um, but I mean, I aligned is a great tool. I use a tool called page. Like there's a lot of options out there where you can, if you want to try like an external tool rather than just sending it like inline text in an email, um, that could be a great way to do it. But making sure there's enough white space, not having like super gimmicky language. Like I know sometimes there is conflict between sales and marketing and marketing's like, yeah, we can get you this 256x ROI and this, that, and the other thing, like stuff like that, that they might not care about. But for me, I think the best check that you can do is always to imagine receiving that email. Um, I know I've like said it a few times on the call, but I think most of this sort of psychology stuff comes back to remembering that the people that we're selling to, the people that we're prospecting, they're also human beings. They also have a billion other things on their plate. They also can get overwhelmed. They also might let things slip through the cracks. So I think just trying to make it as easy as possible for them to resonate with the points that you're sending. So making it about them making it about the problems that they're facing, not making it about you and all your features. Um, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I try to approach it to make it like resonate more with people. And then, you know, just space it up, not having like everything in one paragraph versus like spreading it out and making it easy to quickly skim. Another important note, a lot of people get their emails on their phones and that's probably where they're going to be checking it. So try and make sure like it makes sense and the flow works on mobile as well, like not just, you know, in your desktop email. But Tom, I'd love to hear what you have. Um, so the 
those are all good. And to your point, I don't think enough reps send or test themselves before they do anything. So again, as soon as you write a follow-up email, before you send it, send it to yourself, give it like two, three minutes, and then go look at your phone or go look in your inbox and take it from that perspective of that prospect, right? Look at it. How did it look in the mobile preview in your inbox, right? What did the first line look like? And what did that say? Is that reading too spammy, salesy? Was it more about them? Was there an I immediately in that first sentence, right? Like those type of things. So you send it to yourself um, and then you kind of get that visual experience. The other thing, two things is don't make it look like a sales email. Anybody in this room right now in the chat can tell me right now, the number one thing we all do is we put, hey, first name, and then we break the line and we get into our message. It's the number one way to know you're getting a sales email versus somebody internally in the company or anything else because nobody just goes and says, hey, Tom. And then breaks down and goes into here. So something that really changed my reply, my my kind of open rate and my experience in email, I now just put it all in one line. I don't do the break. So I either put, hey, Leslie, direct right into the point. Hey, Leslie, I was reaching back out for this. Or I don't even put hey name and I actually just open my line. And then at the end of the line, I put the name. Like just checking in with you, Leslie. Now I'm not using just checking in, but like I put it <laughs> at the end, right? Like on our call, Ledley, you mentioned that you were discussing connect rate. Here's something I have for you. That's my first line versus, hey, Leslie, on our, and then break, on our right. call, we discussed this. Here's what I have for you. Build your email like an internal email to an employee. And it's a bit of a pattern of rubbed because if this person, if I worked with Leslie, the email exchange we have in our inbox for preparation of this show is way different than what a sales exchange looks like, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to write a novel. It can only be five, 10 word email. It doesn't have to have a conversation and have a little oomph behind you that they're going to respond to you or they are going to talk to me. I don't need to put a whole novel in the first email. I can write two line emails. I'm okay. It's okay. I can just say, hey, Leslie, reaching out about your outbound concerns. Is that on your radar? Yeah. And that's enough for an email. And everybody's like, oh, no, that's not enough. And it's like, they'll respond to that more than, hey, are you having outbound issues? Here's a whole novel about everything I do. Um, so that's like some pattern disruption. Just add the line up, put, hey, first name, and then get right into your first sentence and kind of your first paragraph, because that'll look good in the mobile preview too. Or don't even mention their name. Just get right to your first line. And in your first line, find out where to put their name or that kind of personalization in a different place. Yeah. Um, and then just write like an internal email. Um, and my last tip to her visual point, use gifts. Use gifts that align with the relevancy of what you're discussing. Prime example of this, an SDR friend of mine, back when the crane got stuck in the canal, back in like 2020, remember the crane picture with the crane holding up the big boat and it like went viral from the like canal ship. She sent that as a meme in an email about recruiters getting an overwhelming amount of emails in their inbox. And she said, does this sound like you? Does this look like your inbox every Monday morning? And it was the crane kind of holding up this waiting big old boat, had like a 15% reply rate and was killing it for her. And so sometimes find a meme that is pop culture, everybody's doing it, everybody's watching it, all those things and turn it into an email that doesn't have a thousand words in it, but encompasses and makes them get like some type of feeling 
from seeing that visual and then end on a CTA that kind of pushes the, the conversation. That's cool and follow up too. I've had a lot of people DM me gifts when I haven't got back to them in two, three touches yeah. and it makes me laugh and I'll finally respond and they're like, it works every time. And I'm like, dang it, you got me with the gift, <laughs> but it's funny. Uh, uh, that leads us that's just, you know. right into ghosting. I think that's like the perfect segue because I'm the same. Like someone will give me with a gift, especially if it, if I like haven't responded. And it does. It works every darn time. Or I mean, the Taylor Swift gifts and memes, like they're on fire right now. I just have to say, okay, so Sydney, you talked about a line that you like to use, even when your follow up is like super strong. You've done all the things. You've checked all the boxes. Sometimes we still get ghosted. Tell me about this line that you use. Yeah, for sure. So I know everyone's probably trying to read it now. I'll just I'll just read it first. Um, sounds like this project might have been put on hold or may not be top of mind for you right at the moment. I'll check back again next month. So there's a few things I, I like to focus on here. Um, I'm not a big believer in breakup email. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to just be like, all right, you know, like you're going our separate ways because you're probably going to reach out again and they can see right through that. So I like to not close the conversation completely and I like to try and take the pressure off of it. So instead of like, hey, you said you'd respond and you didn't. Why didn't you respond? It's more like, you know what, you know, kind of what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like, um, or what I'm not hearing from you, sounds like this project may not be top of mind right at the moment. Um, I'll try again next month. And that gives you two things. One, people like to correct people. So if it is actually still top of mind, they just forgot to respond to you. And they might be like, oh, hey, actually it is. Sorry, just got a bit delayed. Like, you know, let me, let me get back to you. Or it might be like, yep, you know, it actually did get pushed for now. And then when you say, I'll reach back out again next month, they can either say, actually, no, like we can chat now or, you know, give me a more definitive answer of like, oh, no, we've gone in a different direction. This isn't going to be needed for us. So takes the pressure off, gives them a few different chances to correct you if they want to, and then makes it so that you can keep the conversation open and you're not just like, you know, this is a breakup email, like we're going our separate ways and then you're never like calling that. you That's again. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're, exactly. we're never getting back together again. That's the perfect point. <laughs> you got it. It's like what you're telling me is we're never getting together. Again. Right. I love it, Sydney. So you're like, you're leaving again. It's like you're leaving the door open. You're giving them an out. Mm -hmm. There's like so many different ways they can take this, whether it's taking you back to like, oh, actually, I'm so sorry. Like I've just been buried in my inbox or whatever. Or yeah, you're right. Don't contact me next month. Yep. Right. Either way, it's an answer. We'll take it. And Tom, like similar approach, no breakup. You go for the put a pin in it, right? I do. Uh, so I really rattled my head over always looking how to switch something up when everybody's going left and you can go right. And one of the common things was a breakup email. Everybody was taught that. It's very common terminology in sales. But we always talk about it. It's not a relationship like that. And you are going to reach back out just because either your manager is going to tell you to do so in a week or you're going <laughs> to do it anyway. Um, so what I switch to in the terminology and, and the way that I craft my last email at the end of a sequence is put a pin in it. We're just putting a pin in it for now. We're going to come back. We're going to circle back. But it, clearly right now, we've got to put a pin in it. And maybe this is a few reasons why. I know in our discovery call, you had mentioned that John might not be going for this. And I knew that was going to be an uphill battle based on not hearing from you. Clearly, John wasn't going to give it the vote. In the meantime, here's some resources that can really move the needle for you. If you couldn't get that budget or you couldn't make that progress that you wanted, 
here's some cheap free ways that regardless of working with me or not, you can get value out of. And then guess what? That might free it up or they might go and implement that. And then that brings trust back. And they're like, dude, you really helped me. Like you didn't have to do that, Tom, but like that helped me with John is we couldn't get the budget for this, but you gave me a couple little hacks that were just kind of there that we didn't realize we weren't doing. Um, and that progressed us from A to F, right? So now we'll be able to move this direction. So I just put a pin in it. Um, I literally say that, hey, Leslie, we're just going to put a pin in this. Tried to reach out to you. Looks like it got snagged up. Looks like this isn't a priority for you at the moment. So in the meantime, here's a couple of resources to move the needle for you. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll be in touch again soon. Talk soon. Or I'll be in touch in a couple of weeks to check in. Talk soon. And I always end my emails. Everybody always asks, like, what do you say? Cheers, this and that. Little tip. Say talk soon. I do it on phone calls. I do it on demos. People really always call it out for me. And they're like, Tom, that's so cool. Because you walk away like, yeah, we're going to talk soon. We're friends. Like, hey, I'll talk to you soon. Um, so I'll end on that and say, hey, put a pin in it. Talk soon. I'll be in touch. Um, and maybe if I find something else that can help you move the needle, I might shoot that over to you in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, got any questions, you know where to find me. And that leaves that door open. Yes. Yeah. Both of these are like this permission to reopen the conversation. You're not completely shutting the door and locking it forever. It's like, we're going to have some sort of talk in the future. And Tom, like, I love the, again, it's like a value add. Even if you don't work with me, I want you to be successful. I want you to reach your goals. Here's a whole bunch of things that can help you do that without you spending a dime with me. And again, it's that like trust. I need a rapid fire answer from you both. (laughs) Are you ready? We only have a few minutes left. Lily asks, she's an SDR and she felt like maybe a lot of this was geared towards like after that discovery, maybe uh, SDR might not be as involved in the conversation at that point at this time or not necessarily in charge of the follow up after that discovery. Um, What pieces do you have that they could use for a video or a message um, after they like set the call? Is there anything that you would either just use over again? With us going back to the video thing, right? It is yeah. as an SDR, if you want to take it a step further, you can create like a templated kind of video script. And then it's like, you know, after you book that meeting, send them that video. Hey, Leslie, it was incredible talking with you today, really uncovering what you were looking to do. You're going to meet with Sydney on Thursday, two o'clock, like we discussed. Pull up her profile, maybe, so she can get a visual of who Sydney's going to be, right? On the screen share. You're going to meet with Sydney. Here's her. Um, she's phenomenal. She's very specialist when it comes to this industry. Um, and then what I'm going to do is bring those other resources you mentioned to the call for them. I've relayed everything over to them. I'm really looking forward to help, you know, seeing how Cindy can help you drive, you know, your goals further. So you could do a video like that. So that way it kind of keeps your show rate. It kind of recom, you know, iterates everything you talked about. And then it introduces your AE and then you CC your AE to that email and loop them in. Um, and then say at the end of the video, Hey, I'm going to CC, you know, Sydney on this. If you have any questions before we go to the call, you know, she's here. And then Sydney comes in and can respond and be like, Tom, awesome. Thanks so much. Great to meet you, Leslie. Well, I'll talk to you on Thursday and I'll get those resources together. Um, there's a lot an SDR can do to really set up the launch. You know, I always call it like a rocket. Like they're the, they're the base. SDRs are like the crew on the bottom that if that rocket goes off, you know, well, you're doing the handoff to the pilots well, right? And if you don't, what happens? That rocket goes up and right blows up because that handoff wasn't done well and that launch was set up. So a little bit yeah. of tip there. 
<laughs> well, Tom gave, I think, fantastic advice there. Just one quick thing to add, just in general, like if you're asking about like doing follow-up emails as an SDR, just in general too, I think a lot of these tips apply. I think remembering the human behind the screen, um, keeping not giving all of your information in one email, like keeping little bits for your follow-up emails, um, doing those pattern interrupts like Tom talked about, trying to make it look more like an internal email rather than not. So I think a lot of these things do apply for any part of your sales cycle. Totally. Um, and also tomorrow's show is running a successful cold call with Will Aiken and Ronan Passar. So I think like there will definitely be some follow-up stuff there too if you want to catch it. We just dropped Tom and Sydney's LinkedIn profiles here and would love for you to go connect with both of them. Thank you both for sharing your time and your expertise and your treasure with us. We so appreciate it. And thanks everyone for joining us on the show today. Hope that you have a very happy selling day and we will chat with you soon. Bye everyone. Bye.